I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, we are examining why it is so hard to get widespread testing for people who may have the coronavirus. Joining me is Catherine Ho, who just filed her story on what's going right and what is still very deeply flawed in terms of testing. Kat, we have a lot to talk about, so let's just dive into it. What What is the status quo now in terms of testing in the Bay Area? So the status quo right now is even though there are more tests becoming available every day, it's just not nearly enough for all the people we should be testing right now. And and who should we be testing right now? Well, ideally, we would be able to test anyone, but because there just aren't enough tests being made, uh, right now, the highest priority people for getting tested are first responders, um, like firefighters, paramedics, uh, police officers who are coming into regular contact with people who likely have the virus. Um, We're also prioritizing healthcare workers like doctors and nurses who um, similarly are just, you know, at higher risk because of their jobs um, of contracting the virus. So if we could do everything perfectly, let's talk about the like ideal situation. We would be testing the first responders like how often? Only after they've come in contact with somebody every couple of days, what would that look like? Well, ideally, it would be getting them tested any time after, you know, they've come into contact with someone who may later test positive. Um, The reality is we don't have enough tests to be testing them that often, um, but we're testing as often as we can, as frequently as we can. You were telling me before we started recording that you're getting inundated from people who just want to know where to get a test Um, What are you telling people right now? Uh, I'm directing them to our story, (laughs) which has all the testing sites, um, and and we're adding more to those soon. So the earliest Bay Area providers that were providing uh, testing starting last week or the week before were Stanford Healthcare and Kaiser. Um, Those were somewhat limited because uh, you needed a doctor's order for those, and you also need to be for example, a Kaiser member to do that or um, have an order from a Stanford-affiliated physician. Um, And we were also hearing kind of anecdotally that uh, people in both those systems were still having to wait, you know, several days to go through the process of um, a phone or online screening and then scheduling an appointment to do the testing. So um, it's been a very kind of long and dragged out and frustrating process for a lot of people to even make an appointment to get a test. I think I think we're at the point in this whole crisis where pretty much everybody is only one or two degrees of separation removed from somebody who at least thinks they may have it. And I, and I agree with you, the the anecdotal evidence is not what we usually like to rely on as journalists, but I know we even have colleagues who have family members who seem like they may have this and they have good health care and they're still being told well, if you're not that bad right now, you probably don't have it. We don't know. Just stay home. Why is that not an ideal healthcare situation for us to be in? Well, ideally, we would be testing not just people who are showing the symptoms, but also testing the people that they've come into contact with recently. And that's something that is is really important to do early on in an outbreak. So we actually don't know, unfortunately, whether we're kind of past the point 
in the spread of this for that to actually help contain it. We, we do know that testing in general is very important to kind of understand how quickly it's spreading. Uh, it, it's a little unclear if it's kind of too late now, even if the testing does continue to ramp up um, to kind of do the contact tracing that is important to do earlier on. Yeah, maybe if you could just explain a little bit more about why it matters early on in an epidemic versus when, you know, there are thousands of people who have it. What's what's the difference and what does testing, what's the difference testing makes early on? Yeah, the difference is when you only have a few cases or say like a few dozen cases, you can isolate those people if you know they're positive, and then you can go back and trace where those people have gone uh, recently, and then try to try to isolate those people if they test positive. And that way, those people aren't going out into the community and potentially spreading it. And it, it seems from what I'm not nearly as involved in this as you are, but it seems like that's what South Korea did. And they've been able to really get a hold on this in a way that um, few other countries have been able to do. Yeah, South Korea is a great example, we think, so far of flattening the curve, which uh, is a phrase we've all started hearing a lot, which means kind of lessen the burden on the healthcare system, on the hospital system in particular, and to kind of drag out uh, new cases over a long period of time as opposed to have them all hit uh, at, at a certain peak um, and really overwhelm the system. So South Korea managed to test very, very early on in the outbreak, and their tests were also like very widespread and super quick. So usually they were getting results within hours, whereas here in the United States, uh, for example, some test results aren't coming back for a week um, because they have to be sent off-site to another lab and then um, they often have to be sent in batches uh, and, and processed in batches. And so the results are just coming back much more slowly. And one of the other problems that you wrote about, oh gosh, this seems like forever ago, but it was probably only a few days ago, was that we were having initial tests that were very unreliable too. So not only were there not very many tests, but they weren't all that reliable, the ones we did have. Right. And that poses a problem when you're trying to figure out when to release people from quarantine. Um, the standard right now is that you have to test negative twice in a row in order to be quote unquote recovered. Um, but some neg some people were testing negative and then testing positive shortly after that. So we're I think we're still trying to figure that out. And has that problem seemed to have been ha has that problem been fixed? You know, I don't know if that problem has been fixed. I haven't really heard anything about it since those initial tests. I, I haven't either. Um, most of the problems I've heard about testing is from people who just can't get tested in the first place. I, I also kind of wonder because there's so few tests available right now, if they're just not, you know, there just aren't enough tests to be doing multiple tests on the same person like daily. So today, you and reporter Sarah Ravani wrote a story about the status of testing. Sarah was at a drive through clinic that opened in Hayward. Can you tell us what, what's so unusual about this site? I think what sets this site apart from other testing is how quickly you're able to get the results. 
Um, so you're supposed to be able to get results in uh, nine hours or so. And that's mostly because the lab that's doing the processing of the tests is nearby. And they are actually driving the samples from Hayward to Menlo Park, where the lab is. And the lab is processing them pretty much right away. So I think we're still learning, uh, you know, today was the first day for the Hayward testing. So I think we'll know more maybe tomorrow in the next couple of days, whether the results are as fast as they had hoped they would be um, and whether they're getting as many samples processed as they were hoping quickly. And and this site, do I need like if I if I think I may have it, should I just show up there? What what what's the process um, I, I fear that we're going to start a five-mile-long um, <laughs> line of cars in Hayward somewhere. But what what are they telling people about when to show up? Yeah, so you should probably only go if you, f- you fit into one of the following categories. If you're a first responder or healthcare worker or um, you have a history of having traveled recently to one of the countries where uh, coronavirus is very widespread, um, and the, you have to meet certain um, symptom criteria, like they'll screen you first before giving you a test, and they don't test everyone. Uh, they don't let everyone through that screening. So I'm I'm feeling pretty healthy right now. I've been in my house for going on 12 days now. I can't just show up just to give me peace of mind and get a test. No, they'll probably turn you away quickly <laughs> probably so what who's who's paying for this hayward site uh yeah so it costs about um half a million dollars that's the estimate right now um the biotech company in menlo park that's providing the tests um they told me that you know because the federal government and the state have made assurances that they're going to cover the cost of testing for everybody, that they'll get reimbursed at a later date. Uh, but they're just going to figure that out when the time comes. Wow, that's really amazing. Um, you mentioned that we are working on um, a list that will be constantly updated on sfchronicle.com, and that will have all of the testing facilities on it. We, we hope maybe a we have an, an initial version right now on the website. We hope to have one that's even better in the coming days. I just want to point out before we go to break that this is the sort of journalism that's really labor intensive. I know it's been stressful for you to try to keep all of these updated. Uh, if people appreciate this sort of reporting, we know it's very important to the community, but it would be great if people who are supportive of it and supportive of this podcast could be subscribers to the Chronicle. And anyone who wants to do that can sign up at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Kat, when we come back, I want to talk to you about why this testing protocol seems to be so uncentralized and so unorganized. We'll be right back after this. So before we went to break, we were talking about the testing sites that are popping up and they seem to be, um, I don't know know if unorganized is the right word, but certainly not part of a centralized effort. Why is testing so decentralized in America? Well, there's no one single entity that's in charge of the testing, I think is the the best way of explaining it. 
Um, the public health labs initially uh, in each county were the ones kind of managing and, and overseeing. I'm sorry, the county health departments were initially in charge of um, kind of deciding who can get tested and how. Um, but now that more of the private lab companies are processing the tests and um, more private companies are making their own versions of the tests, it's just it's kind of all over the place. You know, it's doctor's offices are getting their tests from all different kinds of places. Um, and then, you know, trying to report, you know, positive cases to their respective county. Uh, but it, it really is kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, it, it, it definitely seems like that. And I know we're getting a lot of emails into um, the newsroom uh, via our assignment editor on sfchronicle.com about our map that keeps track of positive cases, and many of them are pointing out the same thing that that we all that we that you know and that I know, which is these number of cases um, seem almost. I don't, I mean, they almost seem irrelevant since we aren't testing as many people. It's certainly not a complete view of how deeply the virus has penetrated the Bay Area. Um, and I and I think it, it, it seems like um, the long delay in getting results is also part of that problem. So why, why is it taking so long to get results? Is it just the shipping and batching of these tests, or is it uh, the technology behind it and being able to get a positive or negative result very quickly? So in a lot of cases, it's because the lab samples have to be sent to a different lab offsite, um, and that can be somewhere else in the state or in some cases, somewhere else in the country. Um, I spoke to one uh, San Francisco doctor today who relatively recently was told that he had to send those samples to a lab in North Carolina, which is maybe literally one of the farthest places from the West Coast you could send something. Um, He mentioned that that uh, there is a closer lab now um, that the samples are being sent to, but I think that's just one example of um, of the you know dragging out of of getting results back. It seems to be a differing problem for people who have certain health care systems that they belong to. Does it? Does it seem even based on anecdotal evidence that the larger healthcare systems, and I'm thinking of the Stanfords and Kaisers, that they are um, needing to ration tests or is it only because so many people belong to those systems that we're hearing about frustrations with those? That's a good question. It it might be both. <laughs> um, I mean, because here in the Bay Area, Kaiser is obviously a huge system. Um, Stanford is a large system as well. We've also heard from some UCSF patients that um, they've struggled to get uh, to get tested quickly as well. I do think it's because there are just, you know, this area is dominated by um, a relatively small number of healthcare, large healthcare systems. Um, we've also heard, though, from a number of like doctors who have their own private practice um, that they, too, are really struggling to get um, enough tests and that they're not able to get all the patients they feel like should be tested a test. And that's really a, a point of frustration that that's continuing on. 
And then, of course, we have people who don't have health insurance and don't have a doctor that they can call and and get even a couple of days in, in advance appointment to have a teleconference with them. What does a situation look like for the uninsured and even um, homeless people? Um, I think the the best thing that they can do, you know, if you don't have a regular doctor, don't have insurance, is maybe try a community clinic in your area. Um, we did see um, Medicaid administrators, um, at least here in California, say that the the cost of testing is going to be covered. Um, but if you are uninsured, I, I think that just makes it that much more harder to know where to go first. If you, you don't have a regular doctor, you can call. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, do you have any advice for people who may be listening to this at home and are worried um, that they have symptoms and and don't know where to go for a test? How aggressive should they be in pushing for it? That's a good question. I actually spoke to um, a woman today in San Jose who is trying to get herself and her mother who is older and uh, has diabetes and was experiencing shortness of breath. Um, and she went through, I think, four different places to try to get a test. Uh, initially, she went through um, her mom's primary care doctor, who seemed a little confused about where to send them, um, suggested that she call the hospital instead. She called the hospital, who directed her to the CDC website, which she didn't find particularly helpful. And then she tried... Um, the Stanford testing and then the Verily testing. And both of those just were taking at least a few days to kind of go through the process of the screening and the scheduling of appointments and whatnot. Um, and so finally she found Carbon Health, which is a San Francisco based uh, primary care and, and urgent care provider. And they were able to um, set something up and get tested that same day. So I do think that if you feel like you uh, truly are high risk and you um, you are sh- showing pretty you know severe symptoms, that you try your best to um, you know the the tests are available kind of if you know where to look. Um, this particular person and her mother did have luck with Carbon Health. So maybe look in, you know, start looking in places beyond your normal provider, um, because right now all the, you know, regular providers are just swamped. And even if they want to help you kind of have their hands tied, there's just so much demand right now for testing. Well, and we hopefully will have some more resources that are even more complete than what we have up with your story right now on sfchronicle.com. Kat, thanks for joining me today. Sure thing. Again, if you appreciate the resources that we're putting into finding testing centers on sfchronicle.com, please consider being a subscriber. You can do that at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'd like to thank Catherine Ho for being with me today, King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.